Improvised Weapons features audio from BattleBards.com. BattleBards provides premium music, sound effects, and voices that enhance any tabletop experience. Me tell you no be bad! Squish! And with a BattleBards Prime subscription, you can get access to the entire catalog, as well as tools like soundboards, the mixer, and BattleBards Cast, allowing you to broadcast your audio online across any virtual tabletop service. You can even upload and mix from your private audio library. And with BattleBards Prime, you get a 20% discount on all purchases. Head to BattleBards.com and subscribe to BattleBards Prime using the coupon code IWVTCAST to save some money and let them know who sent you. BattleBards. Take your game to the next level with the greatest tabletop audio library on the material plane. The following is an original, actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast featuring comedians and improvisers in the great state of Vermont. Welcome to Improvised Weapons. Last time on Improvised Weapons. <laughs> they could just be fat. Nothing, I'm making dumb jokes. It's my thing that I do. You've met me, right? Yes! Snakes! I mean, we, we know how. We're not idiots. I love infiltrating. Before the episode proper, we're going to give you all a special treat. The first episode of Philosophical Wax in podcast form. If you already watched it on Facebook Live and want to just get to the episode, feel free to skip ahead 10 minutes. We will not be offended. Otherwise, enjoy these ramblings from our friendly neighborhood DM. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the very first, that is correct, the inaugural episode of Philosophical Wax. I am Sam Kernett, your friendly neighborhood DM, uh, the person who runs everything, uh, the whole ship over here at Improvised Weapons. And you may be asking yourself, what is this philosophical wax thing that you speak of? Uh, well, it's just a chance for me to... Uh, bloviate on any particular RPG-related topic, some kind of thing that I like to see. Hey, Fred. Hi there. How you doing? Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and see what happens. Uh, maybe you'll ask a question during it. Maybe I'll answer it. Who knows? Perhaps I'll go off on some sort of wild tangent. Uh, anything is possible, but the one thing that is for sure is that I will definitely wax philosophic on something. Do you get it? You get it? Good. Uh, so this very first episode is about the rules. Uh... 
the rules in D&D, the rules in RPGs in general. Uh, what are they? Why are they? And how closely should you follow them? Uh, there are... There, there are a lot of schools of thought on it, so uh, we can go in a lot of different ways. But I think we should start with just why the rules are important, right? Um, they provide structure, and structure is very good. Uh, it gives you a way to progress things forward. If you think about any game that exists, it always has rules, right? Because without them, it would just be pure chaos. Try to play a game of Monopoly, but there are no rules. You can just do whatever you want. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's cats and dogs living together. It's mass hysteria. Um, so you have to have some sort of element that narrows the playing field and allows things to happen normally. Uh, there, you know, there should be limitations. There should be things that only work a certain way. Uh, I'm totally on board with all of that stuff. Um, but at the same time, the point of a game is to have fun. And if there is a rule that gets in the way of you being able to do that, why are you paying attention to that rule? Um, if, you know, it doesn't matter at that point. Uh, there's no official governing body of whatever it is that you're doing, unless you're doing it professionally, that says you have to follow all of these rules exactly as they're written, and that's the only way that you can play this game. Uh, you know, if you're in the NBA, sure. There's a lot of specific things that you have to do, and you have to do them a certain way. Otherwise, you will have a problem. But if you are sitting around your kitchen table just having fun and playing a game and some rule, you're like, you know what? It's not fun when we have to deal with this one thing. Then guess what? Don't don't deal with it. No one's holding a gun to your head saying that you have to. Um, now, there are people that want to play those specific rules. Oh, hi, honey. My wife just joined the stream. Uh, you know, and, and that's, that's known as playing a raw game. That's rules as written, R-A-W. Um, so there are a lot of people that, that ascribe to those specifically, and they, they want to play by those rules and those rules alone. And that's how it's fun for them. And that's absolutely fine because they made a decision at their table to play the game that way. That's what they want to do. That's how they're maximizing their enjoyment. There are a lot of people who play R-A-I, which is rules as interpreted. And that's absolutely fine too. Some of the rules may not be that specific. At least you can read them that way. So some people say, you know, like, well, this is what I think this one means, so that's how we're going to follow it. And that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Once again, the whole point is that you are playing a game. We want you to play this game and have fun playing the game. So if there's something that gets in your way, don't worry about it. It, it shouldn't matter at that point. Um, there's so much content out there for RPGs, uh, whether it's D&D specifically, or you're playing Pathfinder, or you're playing anything else. There are myriad options available. Uh, there are, you know, for, for D&D 5e, there's the Player's Handbook, there's the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's the Monster Manual, there's how many modules that are available now. And they all have things in them that work for some people and don't work for others. Uh, there are a lot of rules that, that I don't follow. Um, like, for instance, I don't really care about material components for spells. Uh, I think that it kind of gets in the way of the flow of the game sometimes. You know, if you if it's important to you to say, like, oh, for this spell, I, I whisper these magical words and then I take out a sprig of holly and a, a little pat of butter and do, you know, whatever needs to be done with those things. I don't know what spell that casts, but that's beside the point. Um, 
But if it's important to you to do that, then that's fine. For me, I just think it gets in the way of like the flow of combat. So I don't really worry about material components unless it's a very important one, like a diamond that costs a thousand gold pieces or something that's really hard to obtain. Um, most of the time, I just hand wave that stuff because I'd rather play the game and get things moving. Um, similarly, like uh, rations in normal environments. I don't really care how you're eating. It's not really that important or that, uh, you know, off the beaten path to say like, oh, yeah, they hunted while they were on while they were resting or they had rations with them. Uh, you know, I don't really care unless it's an extreme situation. If you're in the desert, I want to know how you're eating food. That's going to be important to the story that we're all trying to tell. And then in those situations, I care. Um and I think this all kind of comes down, uh, you know, a lot of it, the this term, the rule of cool, has been thrown out so many times. Um, and it is, uh, you know, it's an important one. Uh, for a lot of people, it kind of makes the game. If you come up with something that is so cool that, you know, you, you think like, oh man, wouldn't it just be awesome if I was able to do this thing? Uh, but it technically breaks a rule or you'd have to do like 500 checks to be able to do whatever the thing is. Uh, maybe you don't have to do all those checks or maybe you should just be able to do the thing because it's such a good idea. Or, you know, you boil it down to one simple roll or maybe two simple rolls uh, just because they work better for it. And I think there are... A lot of people who who don't do that because they're you know they they want to play by the the rules as they are written and that's absolutely fine. Um, but I think a lot of times it just gets in the way of the story. And ultimately, when you're playing a role playing game, telling a story is what you're trying to do, right? I mean, that's that's what my thing about it always is: is that you are collaboratively telling a story with your friends. Uh, you're not necessarily trying to win. Uh, I hope. <laughs> I mean, D&D is kind of hard to win or lose. Um, but you really, you're just trying to forward this tale and organically make something with the people who are either sitting at your table or that you're, you know, connecting with over Roll20 or whatever the, the method of you all getting together to play is. Um, you're trying to, to make something together. And I don't think that... Uh, hi, Aaron. Um, I don't think that any specific rule should necessarily get in the way of that because um, it makes it less fun. And it's important to also note that, you know, this is my particular belief. I'm not right. I'm also not wrong because there are as many ways to play D&D as there are people who play D&D. Um, everybody has a different opinion about how closely you should adhere to whatever it is that's going on. And uh, everyone's entitled to that. You can, because you can play whatever kind of game you want. If you're playing with people and they interpret the rules in ways you don't like, you can talk to them and say, hey, guys, let's do this differently. Or you can talk to them and say, hey, I just don't want to play with you anymore uh, because we're not meshing the right way. We're not we're not playing together. Um, and that's absolutely fine. And it's it's good to be able to do that, honestly. Um, I would I would say at this point, like what it really comes down to is if you're not having fun, then look at why you're not having fun and get rid of whatever's getting in your way. Um, 
you know, there are, like I said, there are so many books, so many modules that all, you know, 200 to however many hundred pages they are, full of all sorts of things that no one has everything memorized of. And somewhere in there, there's some rule that rubs you the wrong way or that you think gets in the way of play or just, it just isn't fun. And why do that to yourself? What's the point? No, really, what's the point? Like, if it's if you're not enjoying it, d then don't. Don't bother with it. Uh, you can do whatever you want. You know, yeah, there are people who play Adventure League, and you have to follow all the specific paths that they that they set down for that because it's it's official play. But anyone who's playing a game at home, around their kitchen table, doing whatever they want, you can continue to just do whatever you want. That's kind of the the magic of this game and what makes it so fun. Hi, John. Um, is that you have the chance to just do whatever. So why hamstring yourself? That's uh, that's really the ultimate point that I'm that I'm trying to get to with this one. Um, and uh, you know what? I think that's probably going to be it for this episode of Philosophical Wax. Uh, thank you all for joining me. And uh, yes, this will end up on the uh, the podcast feed at some point as well. So if anyone missed it, you don't necessarily have to go back and watch the video. You can just listen to it if you want something, if you want to hear my dulcet tones on your way to work or what have you. Um, and uh, let us know, you know, get in touch, see if there's if there's a certain topic that you'd like to see covered in a future episode. Uh, that would be great. Otherwise, uh, we will pick something at random. Uh, and then subject you to it. So hopefully you all enjoyed that and you enjoyed this. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. We hope you enjoyed that. If you've got a topic you'd like to see slash hear our DM bloviate about, reach out and let us know. It might just be the subject of a future PW. Now, let's get to the episode proper and find out why exactly Ildov went off on her own. Let's hit it and crit it. Welcome to Improvised Weapons. Ildov. The crisp morning air causes you to pull your stolen cultist robe tighter around yourself as you walk down the streets of Bastafier. Moving at a normal pace and looking down so as not to arouse suspicion, your mind begins to wander and pour over the dream you had the night before that puts you in this particular situation. It began as any other. The library, the familiar table, the flames of the candelabra extinguishing one by one, that spindly black finger poking out of nothingness and tearing a jagged line in the air in front of you, then ripping open a hole through which you can see the yellow eyes and sharp-toothed smile of your patron, Shyok. His long eyelashes, Jake Gyllenhaal-esque chin, <laughs> and emotionally strong demeanor shine through as powerfully as ever. He is beautiful. And yes, I went back and re-listened to the episode where you described him. As emotionally strong. As emotionally strong and with a Jake Gyllenhaal-esque chin. And I have to ask, is this like Prince of Persia Jake Gyllenhaal or like Donnie Darko Jake Gyllenhaal? Donnie Darko. Did he, get, did he get chin work done between those? <laughs> Everyone, if you don't get chin work, can you even be an actor? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can ask Patrick Warburton. He's gotten chin work all over the place. That's true. Anyway, 
This is a very chin-heavy episode <laughs> yes. so far. <laughs> so he, um, he, he looks out at you and he says, Hello, little sparrow. Hello. I have a favor to ask of you. Okay. I warn you, your companions won't like it. Okay. As they say, it is easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. At times, it is easier still to ask for neither and do merely what is necessary. What is necessary? Let me start with this. The soul is an eternal thing. The vessel may perish, but the soul lives again over and over, unless... Like a leaf removed from a stream, it is taken out of the flow and set on the banks. Do you follow? I think so. Ildov, your rod and the orb it holds have the power to trap a soul at the moment of death when it would move back to the flow. Oh, that's what's happening. (laughs) Yes. I thought I thought that might be the case, but you thought that specific thing was the case. Well, not in those words exactly. I wasn't sure. I don't know. Without all the poetry of our rivers and leaves. <laughs> yes, I didn't have that quite exact image. I would, for me, it was more of you know like a a cloud and stars and. There were airstreams, but it's fine. But I was there with you in the soul part. Yeah, the like, soul I part, definitely. Soul. Yeah, I got that. that was in there for sure. <laughs> I'm sorry, just real quick. Did you say airstreams? Yes, I you sure did, did say airstreams. Souls are taken away in big silver trailers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> just an open road and. <laughs> there is a powerful soul in the city that would one day cause great trouble for us. It may not be in this life. Regardless, we will never have a better chance to remove this piece from the board. Who, what, uh, okay. It resides in a man named Turco. Turco. He can be found in a warehouse to the west and north It is marked with a crescent moon. Do you understand what I'm asking you to do? I think so. You need me (laughs) to acquire his soul? Yes. And you understand how you must do that? With the rod. Yes. But you understand how... You must do that. Lindsay, I think Shyak might think you're kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah, are you guys, is anyone else getting that vibe? Like, <laughs> do, uh, you, you would, you, I need to kill him. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Yildov, love isn't always easy. But if we are to be together, this must be done, and this one would eventually stand in our way. So I task you, find 
the vessel. End the life. Take the soul. Well, you're the only love I've ever known, so I trust you. Fly swiftly, little sparrow. <laughs> and you may finish before your yes. friends need you most. Your attention snaps back to the here and now. As ahead of you, rounding a corner and walking ape-like, in your direction is one of those single green-eyed creatures. As it nears you, its head swings somewhat lazily in your direction. What do you do? Just keep walking. Just keep walking? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> As you walk on, it sort of turns looks at you, and then it's out of your vision as it sort of passes the edge of, of the, the hood on your robe. And then you feel no tap on your back. Seems as if it bought your disguise. <laughs> so <Right>. as you... <laughs> Nailed it. Pass that, nice <laughs> you hear the patter of its, its footsteps fade away. Uh, let's get a survival check for you to pathfind. Um, that is uh, 21. I got a 19. Okay. <laughs> Eowyn is rolling in spirit with you. <laughs> uh, so with a 21, you, uh, walking that direction, you start to think more about what Shyok said to you about how uh, it's a warehouse to the west and north and it's marked with a crescent moon. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, due to your having been in the city for some time beforehand, you remember. There is a wood shop uh, in the, the northwest of the Sawtooth whose uh, emblem is a crescent moon with a small boy fishing off of it. And uh, is this the Amblin Warehouse? Uh, no, it's the DreamWorks. <laughs> warehouse. Uh, and it's called the DreamWorks. <laughs> so you you beeline for that because you you know where this is. Right, the Amblin mm -hmm. Warehouse is the one with the bike. Yeah, and you find uh, you come upon this large wood shop that sits between a darkened tavern and a furniture shop. Uh, it bears. The large sign with the crescent moon with the small boy fishing off of it that doubles as the D in the name of the shop, the DreamWorks. <laughs> Under the sign, the shop's large double doors are wide open and they are flanked by two cultists. Through the open doors, you can barely see the straw-covered floor through the throng of people that are corralled inside. Uh, it seems like some kind of holding area for prisoners or civilians. Mm. What would you like to do? You're about a you're a block away. Let's say you're probably like leaning around a corner to look, so you're still out of sight of it. So it's How just two cultists. Just two cultists that you can see on that the I outside. can see on the outside. And an ogre, <laughs> and uh, the demonic embodiment of everything we want. Because of Shrek, the building is a dragon. Actually, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> I am feeling pretty confident about my disguise. Okay. Uh, so I'm just gonna approach the building. So you round the corner, <clears throat> you approach the building, walking at a normal gait, mm -hmm. uh, and come up to the, uh, the two cultists. Uh, one of them sort of sees you approaching, 
and says, Hail. What's up? <laughs> um, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> uh, hi. Uh, I, I'm here to retrieve someone. Ah, they're taking another group already, so soon. Yes, they sure are. Well, uh, <laughs> anyone in particular? We can we can point out the uh, the more fit and strong ones for you if you need. Just for a second, in my in my own head, I have like a little giggle, and I'm like, "This is too easy." <laughs> um, but I remain calm on the outside. Calm, <laughs> collected. Looking for a man named Turco. Oh, uh, we don't know their names. Oh. <laughs> I really should have asked for a physical description. It's fine. I'll just go in and find some this guy. Okay. Let us know if you uh, need help. It's uh, not a particularly rowdy lot in there. I doubt they'll give you much trouble. Thank you. May elders own rain. Yeah. <laughs> elders own. <laughs> 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 Uh, and he lets you walk in. Perfect. So That's as easy. you walk inside, uh, inside the wood shop itself, there is a, uh, just like I said, there's this throng of people with sort of this like thin pathway around the outside of it. Um, there's enough room for the people to be sitting, as mo- and most of them are. There's also a raised catwalk, uh, and there's a tentacle bro up there. Uh, you can tell tentacle right bro? away okay. because the tentacle is out. Um, and he's sort of just walking around, like, keeping watch with the aid of his extra eye. The people that you can see in the room, they're, they're a, a mix of socioeconomic levels. Like, there's some people wearing what is now very dirty and rumpled finery, but finery nonetheless. And there are also some people who are wearing very common clothing. It, the room is largely open floor plan all the way to the walls, though it looks like some crates have been set up to form a low wall off in, like, one of the corners. And there's a beautiful little kitchen island with, like, marble countertops. <laughs> yeah, there's a butcher block. Um, I mean, it's a really nice open concept space, so yeah. you can really see all the light from the windows. Is there a talking donkey in there? There is not. Okay. Don't laughed at my ogre joke. <laughs> It's like an onion fridge, so they peel back the layers until you get to the jar. I guess they're... Who is, like, the person who is closest to me? Who is that? What what do they look like? Uh, There is a a woman who is closest to you. Um, She has been giving you the hairy eyeball ever since you walked in. It seems like... They, everyone who's in here has had some experience with, with the, the purple-robed figures, and they know to fear them to a certain extent, so they're all sort of drawing back a little bit and keeping a very close eye on what you're doing. She looks like she's probably mid-30s or so, um, blonde, uh, more on the side of common clothing. Um, she looks like very likely could have worked at the tavern next door. Sort of like, you know dirty as much of the rest of the people are sitting uh with her her knees drawn up to her chest and her arms around them but just sort of like watching you very intently uh cool i try to connect with her telepathically okay um and i say stay calm (laughs) she's screaming internally (laughs) (laughs) stay calm i'm in disguise i'm not actually a cultist uh, I am here to find someone in particular. 
So you can see her eyes go wide, and she holds her breath as this happens. Did we ever establish... Sorry, did we ever establish what Lindsay's, like, head voice sounds like? <laughs> her ill doubts? I'm just uh, curious. Like, what is this woman hearing right now? It's a completely different experience. <laughs> it's all in a different <laughs> It sounds kind of like, like this. It's like a different, like a slightly different version of my voice. Yeah. Truly, you are a vocal chameleon. I am. <laughs> she disappears in every role. No, I don't know. I thought for a second about maybe giving her her like, like a head dark voice, rasp. like a ooh, like yeah, it could be like something like that. Yes, <laughs> like, wait, please. So <laughs> so, like, or like something so very like in- stay calm. Kildar's <laughs> head voice is named you sound like Rita Repulsa. <laughs> and she just she just eats cigarettes. <laughs> You're gonna be fine. She just like does crosswords at a diner all day. <laughs> Look, I don't know nothing about this Sudoku thing they're talking about. Pass me that ketchup, baby. There we go. Give me some French onion soup and we'll call it a day. <laughs> Refill that coffee. Well, that's canon. Please continue. <laughs> oh, no. So you, uh, you connect with her telepathically as you're scanning the room. Mm-hmm. And you say, uh, stay calm. I'm not really a cultist, I'm in disguise. Mm-hmm. And her eyes go wide, her breathing like stops. Not in like a dying way, just in like she's holding her breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just sort of looks at you and uh, roll persuasion. 24. 24. So as she looks at you still holding her breath, her eyes still wide, she just like almost imperceptibly just nods. I need to find a man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey, I could have told you that. <laughs> honey, you don't need nobody. You got your own self there. You're um, wonderful. She, she continues looking at you, and she she nods again. Name's Turco. <laughs> and she sort of, like, she sort so of just much. points at you as if to say, like, your name is Turco? <laughs> no, the man's name. <laughs> she She nods. Like, oh, okay, okay. She can talk to you, that's the best part. She doesn't know. <laughs> so suddenly you start hearing her thoughts mm-hmm. because she's not aware that she can speak back to you. She doesn't know the, the mechanics of whatever it is that's going on right now. <laughs> you hear in her mind, you hear, oh, this, they're looking for Turco. I wonder, I wonder why he's, he hasn't done anything wrong. He's... He's a good man. But you also, through all of this sort of like mental word vomit that she's sort of spitting out, Mm -hmm. he is there. Mm -hmm. So she sort of like calms herself and and looks again. And she, with her, her arms wrapped around her knees still, her right hand just sort of forms into a, a point. And she points... You follow the finger across the room, and you see uh, a man of, he looks like he's probably about 50, uh, six feet tall, broad-chested. Uh, he's got a gray goatee and long hair pulled back into a ponytail. Oh, God. Um, he, <laughs> Did you find Gary Gygax? No. Yeah, all of my, yeah. <laughs> He, <laughs> he is wearing a simple set of cotton clothes, no pageantry or sigildry of any kind. Um, and he is currently, uh, it looks like he's like uh, comforting a child. 
Um, oh, Turco. Looks like. Looks like. I'm Turco. It's me, Turco. It's okay, dear little child. You'll be fine. He's not petting it like a cat. Turco, child. I'm Turco. No, it's God, Lindsay, like, how did you not spot like a him? He's sharing his name. So dumb. Oh, Turco. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Turco. Uh, but he's got this, this like, Looks like about a five-year-old kid or so, just sort of holding it in his I arms, head on the river. shoulder. Uh, the kid is, like, crying, and he's just sort of, like, shaking, patting its back. <laughs> there, there. Shaking it. there, there. Uh, here. All right, I walk over there, and... Uh, he sees you approaching, sort of, like, over the back of the child, and, uh, and says, oh, what more could you possibly want? What do you need now? Come on, Sam, do more. That's not what he sounds like. We know what he sounds like. <laughs> what more could you possibly want? <laughs> Turco, leave us alone, you bastard. You're taking everything else. I say you. <laughs> he uh, he sort of um, taps someone on the shoulder. They look up, and he, he hands the child to them. And he walks over and says, you know what? You lot have been terrorizing us and separating families, and I, I don't know what I can do about it at this point. But this is this is ridiculous, and it's got to stop. What do you What do you need from me? What could I possibly do? Come with me. Suppose I don't have a choice. No, not really. Uh, and then I, yeah, just I kind of let him. Or I, I, I sort of motion for him to walk in front of me. Okay. Uh, or like beside me, you know, not okay. like in front of me, but like with me. Gotcha. Yeah. So he, the, he, yeah. he, 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 he follows orders. Okay. And then there was an alley nearby, right? Uh, there is Jesus an alley nearby. Christ. As you, as you walk out the door. I don't have a choice. As you walk out Everyone the door. Has a choice. I really Everyone don't has feel a like I do. <laughs> So as you walk He's out the door, go. the uh, <laughs> the the two guards, the one who spoke to you earlier, yeah. says, "Really, that one?" Hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> usually they uh, usually they choose uh, you know younger, more fit for the experiments. Well, I, what can I say? Not my choice. But but it, you, it it was your choice. I mean, you came in looking for. Someone you didn't know. I mean, you knew a name, but. Oh, yeah. Well, this is a different experiment. Oh, what are we doing now? Oof. I don't have the time to get into it right now, but uh, it is cool. Roll deception. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you taking Turco? Uh, that is. That's a 19. Oh, we're finally getting to cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, well, more power to you. Elder Zone. Elder Zone reigns. There's a patch for like a jacket we have to make. Elder Zone reigns. Yes. It is punk as fuck. Yeah, it is. I want to see a cult sometime where instead of like creepy robes, they're all just wearing like Letterman jackets with like patches. That's even more creepy. Yeah. Letterman jackets are just creepy in general. Yeah. All right. So I lead. Uh, Turco to the nearest alleyway. 
So there's an alleyway like, is there an alleyway, like, like right, right against there? like right next to the building. I don't want to That might be a little close. conspicuous. That's a little too close. All right, so we're going to go for a little walk. Uh, do I see any other potential spots where we could kind of be alone? Yeah, I mean the the this area of the city is is rife with buildings and there's lots of spaces between them, so there are a lot of alleyways. Uh, there are several sewer grates if you want to take him down into the sewer uh you could probably try like jimmying a lock to a building maybe you don't have thieves tools but you could try some doors and see if they're open or you could if you wanted to walk him all the way back to where the party was you know how to get into that door um mm, that's too far are there any like warehouses like the castle sure. lock or the touchstone or the uh, nope. Get blood all over our nice tiny hut. Uh, but the uh, <laughs> so there is a tavern nearby, the TriStar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or the Paramount. There's the United Artists. Yep. All the, uh... There's a uh, a place that shows moving pictures, the New Line Cinema. <laughs> and then there's, of course, just that one lonely tree out in the middle of the field that's always getting struck by light. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh... There's the place that makes faulty automatons, bad robot. Mm. <laughs> okay. There's the observatory called the Orion. Yep. Anyone else have one? Uh, Pixar. <laughs> uh, there's the one that's all about specific joints called Disney. Oh my god. god. Hey guys, we had to kill it somehow. <laughs> I thought I did by shouting Pixar and nothing else. Yeah, that seemed pretty definitive. <laughs> anyway. Hmm. Is there anything that looks particularly abandoned? Uh, roll perception. Eleven. Uh, nothing looks particularly abandoned. Okay. Uh, I mean, you haven't seen like a lot of foot traffic in the area that you're in, mm-hmm. so you'd feel relatively safe, like ducking into an alley or going into the sewer where you are. Okay. Um, but you know, a, a lot of the buildings look like they were carefully evacuated and locked mm-hmm. as if people intended to return which doesn't mean they will return but it means that to get in would probably be somewhat difficult okay uh then i'm just gonna find a different alley yeah that's nearby okay what uh direction do you want to walk oh northwest east south let's go we went west and north yeah so e- I went west east, and north. east will okay. take you towards the center of the city South will just take you south in the sawtooth. North will be towards the barter. West would be towards the wall and possibly the gate. You're probably a little north of the gate. So let's go south. Okay. Yeah. So you walk south uh, away from the the doors to the DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. And um, how long do you want to walk for before you duck into something? Not long. Maybe like 10 minutes. Okay. So as you're walking... Five minutes in or so, you're just sort of like, is is Turco beside you? Is he in front of you? Are you like pushing him along and he's, telling him when to turn or what's? He's beside me. Okay. So as, as he walks beside you, uh, are you saying anything to him? Yeah. I am saying that I uh, am asking him what, what he does in town or what he did in town. I... Worked at an orphanage. Oh. <laughs> Turco's orphanage. Technically, I still work there. I like to think there are a lot of children that need help. Turco takes surprise. You care enough to ask. 
Okay, and why the goatee? <laughs> <laughs> when I was a child, yeah, we're really getting into it. Yeah, we are. My father was a smelter, and there was an accident, unfortunately, where I got burned, and I can't grow he lost hair. His chin? I just can't grow hair on the sideburns. I can only grow the goatee, and I just haven't shaved in a few days. <laughs> oh god. Do you have family? Uh I I don't have family by blood. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seriously so <laughs> I just have the the many children that I feel responsible for. Yeah, okay. Uh Oh boy. <laughs> what shy wants, shy gets. So you continue walking. Mm-hmm. It's been about ten minutes at this point. Mm-hmm. There are alleys to the left of you, alleys to the right. And, there you are. and here we are. Here I am. Stuck in the Stuck middle, in the with, middle Turco. with Turco. <laughs> oh, there's our episode title. Turco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so we duck into an alley to the right. Okay, so you Ooh. duck into an alley to the right. Yep. Oh, it was definitely the wrong are choice. Are you sure but it's about fine. the right? Could <laughs> <laughs> be the left. It is an option. So uh, you come to a point, uh, you're just going to like be like, turn here or like go into that alley. Or yeah, what you... I say turn here. Okay, so he turns and walks into the alley. It's a uh, it's like a dead end alley, but it extends back pretty far, so it's probably like 40 feet deep or so. Okay. Um, and he goes in, sees that it's a dead end once you're already, like, blocking the exit. Mm-hmm. And he sort of turns around and he goes, so what are, what's going on? What are, what are you, why did you bring me here? <sighs> I need your soul. I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I, I have to, you are a threat. <laughs> To someone who loves me. <laughs> what are you talking about? You could never understand like he does. Not <laughs> I, 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 I don't understand what's going on. I know. There's, it's, I don't have time to get into it. I can't. Turco says use your words. <laughs> <laughs> Others understand. Guys, he's not the grimace for McDonald's. <laughs> I'm no, just. I'm. <laughs> if he looked like the grimace, Lindsay would have a harder time killing That's him. That's probably now. true. <laughs> a harder time? <laughs> I don't know about that. Guys, I would Lindsay shank the grimace in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, in a heartbeat. <laughs> delicious, delicious purple center. Yeah. Would, yeah, 10 out of 10 would kill. <laughs> <laughs> hear that, McDonald's? So what is what is going on? Are, I'm who I'm, are you? I'm not really a cultist. Just an ordinary murderer. <laughs> Just, I'm not really a cultist, but i I don't belong. I don't belong in the cult in this world, or in the, the other world. <laughs> what? Look, I. Who who are you, and what is about to happen? I can't tell you my name, <laughs> but I will try to make this quick. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! I want 
Well, I can tell you my name. My name's Turco. <laughs> but those were his last words. <laughs> Shyok says hello. He starts his Turco theme song as you're thinking of a spell. <laughs> <laughs> How does the Turco theme song go? Turco. It's all just an elaborate turf war because Shyak is actually the host of a competing children's television program. <laughs> <laughs> it's He's... me, I'm Turco, the nicest goatee you'll ever meet. Turco in oh, charge. Oh, but he's got a ponytail too. Have you ever made a mistake in your life? <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the goatee. <laughs> Apart from the goatee. He, uh, he sort of like raises his hands to either side as if, sort of in the like the, like I'm being, I'm the victim of a stick up kind of gesture, but mm-hmm. also to show like I am not a threat mm-hmm. to you right now mm-hmm. and says, look, I don't want to be forward. I don't know what's going on, but I know a child that needs help when I see one. Turco cares. <laughs> I have all the help I need. Sorry. Um, and then I'm going to raise the rod of the pack keeper and cast Eldritch Blast. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Roll an attack. Oh my god, Lindsay. Uh... <laughs> Natural? Well, no, that's a 28. Uh, yeah, that hits. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead and roll your 2d10. Your 2D10. Turco armor doesn't protect him. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my goodness. That's an 11 total. So you say, uh, I have all the help I need. Raise the rod of the Pact Keeper. Uh, just hold it out straight in front of you, basically like right up against his chest. It flashes with that black force, and he just it just sort of explodes out from the rod and hits him point blank, sends him sprawling backward. And there's almost this like effervescent trail from the the tip of the rod to his body that just sort of extends out behind it like the tail on a firework. And it hits the ground, and then all of a sudden that tail sort of solidifies into this, like, uh, moving vortex of energy as this light raises from his form. And unlike when, when souls have been absorbed by the rod in the past, this one almost keeps his physical form, so it actually looks like like a an ethereal version of him is being ripped out of the body. <laughs> and it comes up and it just sort of gets sucked into this rotating vortex and drawn into the tip of the rod and it flashes and hums and you can feel something. You feel this power flowing into your body through your hands and you can almost feel your your bones vibrate starting from the uh from your carpals and your fingers and moving all the way through into your hand and your arm all the way up through your body and then eventually that just settles and you swear that from somewhere far distant you hear a sinister laugh (laughs) 
and you now have you now have an attribute that you can add to your character sheet uh, that is called elevated soul. Uh, an, an elevated soul clings tightly to life and to the vessel that life resides in, giving its bearer advantage on death saving throws. Whoa! Wow. Worth it. So <laughs> you are now in this alley, standing over the very lifeless body of Turco. What would you like to do? I blow his lifeless body a kiss. Oh, God. <laughs> and then turn around and walk back to where the party was. Okay. That is where we'll end this episode. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on all the things at IWVTCast. You can email us with questions, comments, and Nigerian print scams at improvisedweaponsvt at gmail.com. And you can check out the other great podcasts from Puma Knife at teampumanife.com. Remember to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and to leave us a nice review to let others know that we are indeed worth the time investment. You can support the show at patreon.com slash IWVTCast to help us prove to our parents that this is a real job, Mom. And when you have a free moment, check out our wiki at IWVT.wikia.com to experience our adventures in their purest distilled digital word form. The improvised weapons theme and outro were written and recorded by Adam Rabin. You can hear Adam's latest album, The Badger Flies at Dawn, on Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Spotify. And you can check out the rest of his catalog at imadeitup.com. Many of our sound effects are from BattleBards.com. To use them in your game, follow the link in the episode description to sign up for BattleBards Prime, or use the code IWVTCAST at checkout. Tune in next time as we rejoin the main party on the run with their freed prisoners. We'll see you on the next episode of Improvised Weapons. Puma Knife Production. <laughs>